0: Welcome back. Well, I don't know about you, but I was definitely looking forward to this new year, 2021. I hope your Christmas and New Year's Eve celebration was good, even though if it was anything like mine, it was very anticlimactic. Um, And, you know, uh, just browsing on social media these days, I've been seeing more and more memes about 2020. And I'm just going to share some of the ones that I found recently with you all um, just for fun. Here is one that says 2019 plans and 2020 with, uh, I think that's the actress Melissa McCarthy, (laughs) her angry face. And here is a chart from, I believe that's uh, Jim from The Office, his hand and that shows the beginning of 2020 and the end of 2020 which is scary accurate (laughs) now what would you say if you saw this picture prior to (laughs) 2020 without any kind of explanation and here is one from a comedian andy milanakis tweeting about uh, SpaceX, (laughs) if you remember um, the SpaceX uh, shuttle that took off earlier this year. And then here is a bartending joke, which is very appropriate for 2020. I'm not sure what was my least favorite part about 2020, the fires or the racial violence or (laughs) um, the pandemic. And here is one, I know this is probably going to get a lot of um, criticism, but I have very conflicted feelings toward Taylor Swift. I know she's very gifted, (laughs) but um, I'm not a fan. But she keeps pumping out music and keeps getting all these awards. And last but not least, here is the monolith that was found, I think, in Utah um, uh, recently that has been turned into a McDonald's drive-thru window (laughs) all right let's come back here now just because we're in 2021 now it doesn't mean that life is back to normal right away right? in fact we're still pretty far from freaking normal and whatever our old normal used to be we could say goodbye to that right that doesn't exist anymore now in some ways i don't know about you but i actually am looking forward to what this new normal will be right there are certain things that i kind of don't want things to go back to normal you know what i mean for for example like i kind of don't want church in america to be the way it used to be there's a lot of things that the church practiced prior to 2020 that I don't think should ever come back right Um, so much of church has become like performance based and consumerism and capitalism based that really has no place in the church whatsoever and another thing that 2020 has taught us is the importance of slowing down the importance of slowing down now the word slow has gotten a bad reputation lately, Uh, not just lately, but in several decades actually, but especially in in the 21st century, right? We tend to only use that word slow to convey something negative. We complain when our internet is too slow. We cry injustice when service at a restaurant is slow. And we even use that word to describe a person's lack of intelligence right we say that guy or that girl is a little slow but in actuality there are some things in life that are meant to be slow that we have kind of forgotten along the way one clear example of this is our spiritual journey jesus invites us to walk by faith which is slow, that's a slow process. He doesn't invite us to run by faith and he definitely doesn't invite us to rush by faith. He invites us to walk by faith, not by sight. And in the passage that we just read from today, Matthew chapter 11, uh, it's a good reminder for us to take our faith slow, to take our faith slowly. Now, let me give you a little bit of context to the passage that we read today. In Matthew chapter 11, it was written by one of Jesus's 12 disciples, Matthew, uh, unsurprisingly. And it comes right at the heels of after Jesus performed a lot of miracles, right? And did a lot of radical teachings, right? And if you remember, um, like, uh, messages like Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes, that came before this passage, okay, before Matthew 11. And Matthew, he wrote his gospel uh, with this specific target demographic in mind, which were his fellow Jewish brothers and sisters. Matthew himself came from a Jewish background, as did all of Jesus's disciples, right? And he wrote his gospel, the story of Jesus Christ, to try to convince his fellow Jewish brothers and sisters, that Jesus truly was the Son of God, that he was this Messiah that's been prophesied uh, to the Israelites for thousands of years in the book of Exodus, in the book of Ecclesiastes, in the book of Proverbs, in the book of Psalm, and all throughout the Old Testament. And he is the Savior of the world. And this is Matthew himself as a Jewish writer trying to convince his other fellow Jewish brothers and sisters that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah that, that, that the Israelites have been waiting for for thousands of years. Now, Matthew, the author, his story is very, very unique because he himself, prior to being a disciple of Jesus Christ, he himself was a tax collector for the Roman government. And tax collectors in the first century were utterly despised By their fellow Jewish brothers and sisters. The reason why is because they were seen as kind of traitors to their own kind, to their own people. Because the Roman government would hire these Jewish people as tax collectors to collect taxes from other Jews, right? And so these tax collectors would go around town, um, you know, sometimes uh, setting up a table. And with these like Roman guards typically who are next to him, and collect taxes from his own people. And typically, people that he grew up with, um, his friends, like childhood friends and maybe even family friends, that he would collect taxes for the Roman government. And so tax collectors were utterly despised by the Jewish people in the first century. And that was the case with Matthew that was until Jesus came along and invited him to be one of Jesus's disciples now to be a disciple of a rabbi was a great privilege all right it was a great privilege and you couldn't ask to be a disciple you had to be invited right and only like the cream of the crop the the top elite Jewish students would be chosen as a disciple of a respected rabbi and this is the background from which Matthew is writing okay now Matthew 11 verses 28 through 30 appears right after Jesus called the last of his 12 disciples and the last person that he actually called was Matthew according to the Gospel of Matthew and many religious folks prior to this were questioning Jesus's methods his utter disregard for man-made rules created by religious institutions and his sort of unorthodox choice of company. He would, like I said, he would hang out with like tax collectors. Um, He would uh, hang out with like religious zealots and anarchists Um, like Simon the Zealot was another one of his disciples. But also he would hang out with like prostitutes, people like Mary Magdalene, right? And he would be fellowshipping and eating with sick people and people with leprosy and hanging out with like the misfits and the outcasts of the world all the time. And so Jesus was constantly being criticized. And so as a result of this, Jesus laid this really harsh rebuke and condemnation to a bunch of religious folks, religious leaders in particular, but also a lot of judgmental, um, critical, Uh, religious folks, right? And he is like just laying down the hammer and condemning them and rebuking them at the beginning of uh, Matthew 11. Bless you. Now, what's interesting is that like in today's passage, Matthew Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30, is that Jesus does a complete 180. The beginning of Matthew 11, Jesus is condemning religious leaders and even entire cities for being unrepentant. And at the end of eleven, uh, Matthew 11, in verses 28 through 30, he gives this warm, <laughs> kind of welcoming, and uh, gentle invitation to follow him. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yoke is what uh, ox, oxen used to wear when they're like pulling like a, a farm, uh, farming tool, okay? Um, like a plow. Yes, that's the word I'm thinking of, a plow. The ox would wear this, it almost looks like a big harness. Or it is a big harness that they would wear around their neck to pull a plow now when jesus said my yoke is easy and my burden is light what he's uh, what he's presuming here is that everyone in the world wears some sort of yoke everyone has some sort of harness you might think that you're free but you're either a slave to god or you're a slave to the world and what Jesus is saying in, this, in these three short verses is really, really radical. And it is flying in the face of religious institutions in the first century. Religion uh, in the ancient world was a form of control. It was a heavy burden and it was a form of hierarchy that was created by men to keep certain people on top and to keep the majority of people below. They created this plethora of rules, regulation, and legalism in order to create this social-political hierarchy. And it was incredibly burdensome and impossible for most people to follow. Jesus' invitation to faith is not an invitation to work. It is an invitation to rest. To rest in Him. To find our identity in him and not to strive so hard after the things of this world now bringing it back to today okay like I said um, earlier 2020 has taught us a lot right and it has forced us to slow down whether or not we want to (laughs) and there's something that God has been teaching us profoundly through this very, very difficult year so far. And it is this message to, to slow down. And there are many things in this world that I sort of don't want things to go back to normal, right? And this is what Jesus is trying to teach us in today's passage. is He is teaching us to slow down and to find rest in Him. And Jesus even modeled that in his own life and his own ministry. This took a great amount of confidence on Jesus' part to take things slowly. And this is the first lesson that Jesus teaches us about slowing down. Hurry, this kind of spirit, this need to be in a rush, hurry comes out of pride and and slowness comes out of confidence. Hurry comes out of pride, and being slow comes out of confidence. Imagine the incredible pressure that Jesus was faced with, being the Son of God, the Messiah who's been prophesied for thousands of years, and the Savior of the world. But do you remember, do you know how he started off his ministry? He fasted and prayed for 40 days. He felt no rush whatsoever, and he wouldn't allow himself to be rushed. And even when he felt that temptation to have the entire world worship him in an instant, or when he felt the temptation to use his uh, powers and miracles for his own selfish needs, like um, turning stone into bread when he was hungry, uh, he wouldn't do it, right? And he felt no rush whatsoever um, starting his ministry. He began by fasting and praying for over a month, 40 days. This reminds me that um, often in, uh, when I'm doing yoga, I'm like a big fan of yoga these days. Uh, it's been really, really helpful to my mental, emotional health, but you know, obviously for my physical health. And I often hear yoga instructors tell me not to rush through the movements and actually going slowly through certain movements is more challenging and more strengthening than going quickly through them slow is strong slow is confident and i would hear yoga instructors like say certain things like that all the time during my practice is to like take things slowly to go through it slowly uh, because slow is strong and slow is confident okay now let me Oh, slow is also calming. Yeah, slow is also calming. Alright, right, I'm gonna show you one move, okay? Um, <laughs> if I can. Okay, there's this one move that I do called Warrior 3. Alright, there's this one move that I do called Warrior 3. And uh, you wanna do it with me? Or you lift up one leg like this. No, don't move it, don't move it. Don't move it. Don't, don't move it. Or you lift up one leg like this. Wanna do it? Alright it back, but you do it slowly. It's actually really hard to do it slow. Standing on one leg. And you slowly bring it back up.
1: Come on, do it with us! (laughs) I see you!
0: Now, doing that slowly is actually much more challenging than doing it quickly. Because if you're doing it quickly, then you're not challenging your muscles or your balance or uh, flexibility. And um, hurry usually is a result of pride. Now, you might think that pride and confidence are synonyms or they're the same thing. But in actuality, they're very different. Usually pride, um, or I I shouldn't say usually, but oftentimes pride comes out of a place of fear. What motivates pride uh, many times is uh, a negative motivation okay um like your fear of failure or your fear of letting someone down or your kind of insecurity right oftentimes it's usually the insecure man who puffs up his chest and acts all prideful whereas the confident person doesn't really oftentimes doesn't really say much right and the confident person is usually that doesn't have anything to prove confidence is very different from pride okay confidence comes out of your own sense of identity and knowing your purpose and knowing your place in the world professor at university of houston and best-selling best-selling author brene brown has an interesting definition on confidence she says that confidence is self-awareness confidence is self-awareness and she even goes so far to say that vulnerability is the cornerstone Of confidence vulnerability is the cornerstone of confidence and usually when someone is feeling very prideful um, they 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 also have this sense of this or this need to have control right to have control of everything and this is another reason uh, why we feel hurry sometimes hurry comes out of a need for control while slow comes out of love hurry comes out of our need to control while slow comes out of love many times when we want to rush through difficult situations or periods of waiting it's because we feel anxious from a lack of control and I know I've certainly felt this many times psychiatrist Carl Jung said this hurry is not of the devil Hurry is the devil. Hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. And this could definitely be said about loving relationships. Love cannot be rushed. Love at first sight is a lie. I'm sorry to break it to you who, uh, for those of you who believe in this. Uh, when people think they experience love at first sight, they often confuse love with lust or infatuation or attraction. All right? But it's not love, okay? Love takes time. There's that famous chapter on love in First Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient. Love is kind, right? It does not envy. It does not boast. But the first thing that it says about love is that love is patient. Love is patient, right? Love does not rush, right? Love cannot be rushed, uh, Pastor Rich Viodas said this, All around us is evidence that Christians have been formed by a shallow world. And this is, this is from his book, The Deeply Formed Life. All around us is evidence that Christians have been formed by a shallow world. How much of your spiritual life has been shaped by the shallow world that we live in, as opposed to being shaped by Jesus? One of the things that 2020 has exposed is that the church as a religion has been far too influenced by the world than it has been on Jesus. We have fed into the culture of consumerism and individuality and performance uh, far too much in the church. And we have forgotten the core value of simply loving God and loving our neighbors as ourselves which is why the vision for our church is to love jesus and to love like jesus one short read that i strongly recommend uh that you read is called tyranny of the urgent by author charles hummel it's pretty old but it's very very relevant today and he says this your greatest danger is letting the urgent things crowd out the important things your greatest danger is letting the urgent things crowd out the important things. And this leads us to the last thing that today's passage teaches us about hurry and slowness. Hurry is out, comes out of busyness, while slow leads to growth. Hurry leads to busyness, while slow leads to growth. When people ask you how you're doing, how often have you replied, Busy or stressed part of that response might be because you uh, you truly are busy or stressed right but another part of that response might come from this place that you know that busyness is something that the world values greatly you know that if you're not busy uh, the world might consider you worthless If you're you're busy and you're uh, staying active and you're high in demand, then uh, the world might consider you valuable. But if you're not busy, then you might be tempted to think that no one wants you. But God wants to tell you today that that is absolutely not true. Just because you're busy doesn't make you more important. And just because you're not busy make you any less important those are lies that the enemy wants you to believe so that you forget who you truly are in christ no matter how busy jesus became he always made time to spend moments uh, with the father jesus often went somewhere alone um, to spend time in prayer uh, and meditation or just to be alone and to reflect In Mark chapter one, verse 35, it said this, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. In Mark chapter three, verse 13, it said that Jesus went up on a mountainside to pray by himself. Mark chapter six, verse 32 says this, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. nowadays uh, Solitary is kind of sounds like punishment, doesn't it? I mean actually in prison uh, That is a form of punishment like you they separate you from uh, The rest of the cellmates and put you in this like dark room by yourself, right? and um, that's really really unfortunate because uh, solitude Solitary should not be considered a form of punishment. Uh, We all need that sometimes and now one of the worst things that people can experience, it seems, is being bored, (laughs) right? No one ever wants to be bored, right? And I used to think that, um, I used to think that having this uh, smartphone, this gadget uh, with me at all times was such a blessing because I'm never bored with this thing, right? Like, Like, if you have a smartphone, you never have an excuse to be bored, right? You could play games, you could Google whatever you want, right? And you could be communicating, you could be doing work, right? On this little device. And we never have an opportunity to be bored, which sounded great at first, right? But actually being bored is really, really important. Uh, And all all of this science has shown that just not being preoccupied all the time is, is really important. And being quote-unquote bored is necessary in order for reflection, self-awareness, and just giving yourself a mental break. I came across this funny tweet from two years ago uh, that I wanted to share with you today. (laughs) That tweet is just so funny and pretty accurate. (laughs) Now, uh... Technology exists to, or it's supposed to exist, to make our lives easier, um, make our work more productive, and to improve our quality of life. But many times technology can actually have the adverse effect by declining our quality of life. Let me just give you one example. Um, Before the invention of the light bulb in 1879, Americans slept an average of 11 hours a night. Now, because uh, you know, we, uh, it's so bright all the time and um, you know, people stay up later because of uh, light and electricity, Americans sleep an average of seven hours a night. So there's no wonder why most Americans are so tired all the time. Likewise, uh, Business Insider Magazine uh, did a study on our addiction to our cell phones, and they reported that the average iPhone user touches their phone around 2,617 2, times a day, okay? 2,670 times per day. Now, do you ever wonder if our easy access to information is actually making us dumber? I know, certainly for me, it, I, I think it has made me a little bit dumber. Now, I'm not saying that um, technology is bad or anything like that, right? But and and actually, you know, being in a hurry is always bad. Okay, actually, there 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 is a time to be rushed. There is a time to be in a hurry and to be busy, right? But when I make these uh, contrasts between being in a hurry and being slow, there is a time to be in a hurry and there is a time to be slow. And our faith, our spiritual journey, is definitely one of the areas where we need to take things slowly. Likewise, our mental and emotional health is not something that we can rush. And I I shared this with you like pretty often, my journey of mental and emotional health, and that is one area that cannot be rushed. One thing is for certain, faster is not always better. Our spiritual growth cannot be rushed hurried or forced it takes time and we'll spend more time talking about uh, the importance of slow spiritual growth um, next week but to kind of wrap this uh, wrap this up I wanted to share one more quote from one of my favorite authors his name is Dallas Willard he was also a professor of philosophy at USC and he said this hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. We must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. We must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. So perhaps you're new to this journey of faith. Maybe you think you're not growing as fast as you want. If that is the case, I actually want to congratulate you because then that means you are on the correct path towards true spiritual maturity. It takes time. You know, the world says to work hard to prove your worth. But Jesus says, rest because I already already value you. The world says, move fast because life is short. Jesus says, your name is written in the book of eternity, so we have all the time in the world. (laughs) And the world says, be busy or die. But Jesus says, I already died so that you can freely love God and love your neighbors. One of my favorite Authors or sorry, um, music artists that I've been listening to last year is this um, musician. Uh, his name is Jonathan Ogden, and one of my favorite songs from him is this song called Slow Down. And we're gonna close by sharing you this music video from this song Slow Down. And I already I got permission from the artist to uh, share it with you. So and he was really excited for me to share this music video with you, and the dance moves that are in this music video are awesome and it just complements the lyrics so well but the lyrics is really what i want all of us to pay attention to because in the verses it is first person praying to god and then the chorus is god replying to this person's prayer okay Um, the verses are the person praying to god and the chorus is god replying to this person in prayer and we'll put the lyrics of the song in the video as well But I really do hope you um, can benefit from this music video. And then after the music video, I'm just going to give a couple minutes of uh, quiet for us to really spend some time slowing down and praying and connecting with God. There will be some light music playing in the background. And just really take advantage of this time to slow down for a little bit and to commune and fellowship with God. God bless you.
1: Soul, Cause you're teaching me how to slow down Surrender it all, let you take control Slow down I know you're not far away from me You are so close now I'm waiting in the stillness I need to hear your so frightened about what tomorrow brings just keep taking it slow i will always be close and i'm never gonna leave you promise i'll never forsake you so don't even Thank mm-hmm. you.